0: Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, turn over to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 this evening. I wanted to share a verse of Scripture with you before Brother Hamilton Sr. comes to preach for us tonight. I saw him come on in just a moment ago. I thought I'd give him a little bit of a, you know. Yeah, that's no I I'm joking, brother. Really. He's got a bunch of them. He's he's like, I got a million of them, brother. I'm good to go. Yeah. <clears throat> First John chapter 2, if you would please, verse 15 and 16. We're going to look at two verses tonight. And then we're just going to make an application. Where's my uh does, does somebody have that back there for me? Can you bring that on in? Thank you very much. That'll be good. <clears throat> First John chapter 2 Verse fifteen and sixteen, pretty familiar passage. Pretty familiar passage, brother. Be careful! I really didn't want you carrying that. Boy, that thing's heavy. I know, and I know, I know, brother. Be careful now. Be careful, brother. All right, you just set it on up here. Slide it on. (laughs) Workman's comp tomorrow. (laughs) He's gonna file workman's comp tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Yeah. He's going to be sadly disappointed when he tries to collect. <clears throat> First John chapter two verse fifteen and sixteen. As a matter of fact, we have our lawyer with us right now. Um, <laughs> all right. Notice what it says in First John chapter two verse fifteen and sixteen. Here it says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Again, we read that, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in it. I want to focus our attention on just those first four words. Love not the world. Love not the world tonight. When I read this passage, I'm, I guess... When I read this passage, I can't help but go back to a very important event in history. And it's the Garden of Eden. Every time I think of that passage, my mind snaps back to the Garden of Eden. Now, there stood Adam and Eve in this perfect environment. They were as perfect as humans have ever been or ever will be on this earth. And God had given him his instructions. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, I'm sure that the immediate reaction to that command was probably all right i mean they they had enough trees and plenty of fruit to eat and it kept them busy for quite a while i'm sure They would go out exploring throughout the day and see the different trees and the different fruit and taste test it from time to time. And I'm sure Adam had had an opportunity maybe to test a few fruits prior to Eve coming along. And he'd say, honey, come on over here. Let me let me give you a taste of this one. Try this one. And he'd look at her face and he would just wait to see the response and the reaction. And she'd take a bite of it. And boy, he would just be like, yeah, mine, too. That's exactly what I thought the first time I ate that. And I'm sure it kept them busy and I'm sure that they were quite content with the fruit that God had availed to them and made available to them. But after the tempter stepped in and focused their attention on the one tree, that one forbidden fruit, all that changed. He subtly convinced the woman that God was withholding good from both her and Adam. And that was a devilish and a very damning lie, but one that took root in her heart. Sadly enough, it is one that often takes root in our hearts. Love not the world. God never withheld the tree to punish Adam and Eve. Instead, He withheld it to protect them. So often we stand on the shores of life. As we gaze out over this world, we can't help but see its many fruits and bright and glittering lights. It seems that each calls our name and desires our presence, and we're tempted to love it and to love what we see. See, the devil's masterful at. Placing doubts in the minds of believers. Placing doubts in our minds as to God's motives. He'd have us believe that God is some authoritarian leader in heaven. And may I say there's nothing wrong with authoritarian leadership. But it has been misunderstood in our day, by the way. When I speak of that at this point, I'm talking about some tyrant or some ruler that stands over a people with a stick and says, you will obey and you will do as I say. And it is all about my glory and being elevated without any regard to you and your well-being. And the devil would have us believe that that's the kind of God that we serve. But again, never forget that he is a liar and the father of it. He would make us believe that God takes great pleasure in wielding his sword of power. You know, he would have us believe that the greatest desire is to bring us into subjection. To stifle us as people and individuals. But may I say that nothing could be further from the truth? Take your Bible, look over the book of John, chapter 15, would you? John, chapter 15, verse 15. John, chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking and He says, Henceforth, I call you not servants, For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. See, Christ would be our friend tonight. I understand there's no doubt that He's our Creator and He's our God. There's no doubt that He is quite elevated beyond us. We certainly could not even fathom reaching out and touching the hem of His garment, except He bowed down before. But He humbled Himself and became a man. He humbled Himself and He desires a relationship with you and I. He's omnipotent and all-powerful but still he desires fellowship with us even as he fellowshiped with adam in the garden of eden even as he fellowshiped with eve there in that place he de- desires a fellowship with you and i that is not a god who has his own interest at heart in psalm chapter 8 verse 4 it says what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him i mean what is man How dare we even assume that God should even pay the least of attention to us? And yet He does. The devil would have us believe that we and God are on opposite teams. That His interests and yours are light years apart from one another. And that again is not true. The fact that God would have anything to do with us is proof indeed But He has our back and is in our corner. Love not the world. Love not the world. I want to warn you tonight. Beware of the world. Father, we come to You tonight and we're asking You, Lord, in these next few minutes to encourage us and to speak to our hearts. Again, we thank You for these that have gathered. Lord, our hearts, Father, are forever tested Lord, the devil will always seek to somehow convince us that you do not have our best at heart, but instead you are withholding the best. Lord, that is a lie right out of the pit of hell. Help us, Father, not to be deceived. And Father, may we truly stand on your word and love you and honor you and obey you and, yes, fellowship with you as you intend. God, help us not to love this world. We understand that we are in it, but Lord, may we not be of it. God, give us grace to overcome. For greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Father, we'll thank You as You give us victory. Now, fill me with Your Spirit tonight. May my words be those which, Father, You appoint. May not be self-spoken tonight, but Lord, may I just simply be a mouthpiece. And God of heaven, may You anoint every listening ear. And may our hearts be stirred tonight. And may we leave here remembering to beware of that world and love not the world. will thank You for it. In Christ's name, Amen. The world will try to befriend you. And then it will go on to own you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the mid to late 1800s, made this statement. He said, the course of rebellion against God may be very gradual But it increases in rapidity as you progress in it. And if you begin to run down the hill, the ever-increasing impetus will send you down faster and faster to destruction. You Christians ought to watch against the beginning of worldly conformity. I do believe that the growth of worldliness is like strife, which is as the letting out of water. Once you begin, there is no knowing where you will stop. I sometimes get this question put to me concerning certain worldly amusements. May I do so and so? I'm very sorry whenever anyone asks me that question because it shows me, excuse me, it shows that there is something wrong. Or it would not be raised at all. If a person's conscience lets him say, well, I can go to A, he will very soon go on to B, C. D, E, and through all the letters of the alphabet. When Satan cannot catch us with a big sin, he'll try a little one. It does not matter to him as long as he catches his fish, what bait he uses. Beware of the beginning of evil, for many who bade fair to go right have turned aside and perished amongst the dark mountains and the wide field of sin. Love not the world. The slightest love of the world leads down a very treacherous pathway. Today on stage, there's a wonderful, wonderful box. You'll notice that it's called the world. It looks wonderful, doesn't it? I wonder what could be in the box today. It looks so wonderful. I don't know. What could be in the box? Does anybody have an idea? And please, don't be funny tonight and try to solve the mystery. Just tell me what you think could be in it. A laptop. Man, now that would be good, wouldn't it? I'm tempted to look. An iPad. Oh boy, an iPhone even. Yeah, that's possible. What else? What else? Yes. Keys to a BMW. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? I like that idea. Anybody else? Yeah. Yes. That too. I'm sure there's a lot to feel that way. Who else? Hold, hold on. Don't just yell out, brother. I know you're anxious to participate. Who else? Yes, sir. A deed to a house. A, oh, a house. Oh, man. The deed to a house. Wouldn't that be nice to have a house? And Sure. What else? Maybe. Yeah, in the corner over there. Keys to a new car, a toy, yes, that too. Wow. It could be a number of things. It could be a number, all the way in the back. (laughs) Hey, listen, you get desperate enough, you'd like to find some. That's right. Now, anyway, it could be a number of things, could it not? Oh, Brother Rodney, i got to listen to what he has to so say. He's got wisdom beyond his years. Heart's desires in there. Ooh. Wow. All of those things, absolutely. It sure looks good. I, and and we, we consider what could be in the box. Wow, I, it could be almost anything. Boy, that's an interesting concept too. See, the world has such a draw on each of us, doesn't it? I and mean, as soon as we see it, if we're not careful we begin to wonder what it offers us. What could be in it? What could be ours? I'll tell you what, it's easy to be enamored by the world, to be caught up by the world, to be focused on the world. Because it does. It has a tendency to spark our imagination, doesn't it? What could be? And it tempts us to come and take hold of it. The flesh is drawn to the world and it is tempted by the world continually. Solomon chased the world. Look, if you will, over in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. Psalms, Proverbs... Ecclesiastes. Notice what it says here in chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. Solomon, of course, was David's son. He became king of Israel. His reign is a picture of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It is indicative and pictorial of the greatest years of Israel's history. And as I said already, of the greatest years of our Lord, who will sit ultimately on the throne of David and rule and reign for a thousand years. Notice what it says here. This man, who is often referred to as the wisest man by God who ever lived, it says, And I said in mine heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh, therefore enjoy pleasure. Behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad, and of myrrh, what doeth it? I sought it in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do unto the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments that of all sorts... So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. And on the labor that I had labored to do behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no prophet under the sun. Solomon chased the world and came up empty. I mean, he looked to pleasure to satisfy, but found it to be vanity and emptiness. He looked to laughter and amusements. But found it to be vanity. He looked to wine and foolishness and found it to be vanity. Solomon built and increased. He had servants and cattle, silver and gold, diamonds and rubies, collectibles of all kinds. He didn't just have an MP3 player or an iPod. No, he had his own singers, his own groups, his own orchestra. He had notoriety and fame. He was above all others in wealth and prestige. He denied himself nothing, the Bible says. Whatever his eye desired was his. Don't you understand that that is exactly what man desires today? That's the world, the flesh, and the devil. But when he began to view his life, when he began to evaluate his happiness, he was disappointed in the end. In verse 11 he says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no prophet under the sun. It left me empty. It left me wanting. Although it appeared to be perfect and as though it promised me everything I could desire, it left me empty. Love not the world. Whitney Houston chased the world and came up empty. She sold... More than 170 million albums, singles and videos, making her one of the world's best-selling artists. She was America's darling just 25 years ago, but all that changed. Her fame, her fortune didn't bring her any happiness. But instead, it subtly led her into a surreal life of drugs, immorality, irresponsibility and self-destruction. An article... Covering her funeral, made this statement. The service from the 48 year old, six time Grammy Award winner and actress took place a week after she was found unresponsive in a bathtub at a, the Beverly Hilton Hotel in California. That commentary paints a picture that's anything but glamorous. Found dead in a bathtub. Britney Spears chased the world and came up empty. Lindsay Lohan chased the world and came up empty. Robert Downey Jr. chased the world and came up empty. Charles Sheen's chased the world and came up empty. Drew Barrymore chased the world and came up empty. They all ended up in rehabs, trying to overcome addictions. Yet they had everything the world said was worth having and living for. They had set their eyes on the world... They had said, I'll deny myself nothing. And when it was all said and done, they came up empty. Ananias and Sapphira chased the world and came up empty. As you should turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 5. As young men and young ladies, it's easy to look upon the world and somehow believe that That is what I really want. The devil will once again convince you that God has withheld the best. That he simply seeks to squelch your creativity and your passions. But God in no way seeks to do that. He's not punishing you by withholding the world. He's simply protecting you. Ananias and Sapphira, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, we read But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. It means he died. great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. She said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. The young men came in, and found her dead, and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. You say, what's that have to do with the world? Everything. The love of money is what? The root of all evil. Love not the world. Ananias and Sapphira had somehow made a commitment, obviously, and they didn't keep their commitment. And then they lied about it. God says we'd be better off not to make a commitment than to make one and not keep it. The problem was is that they loved the world though. It wasn't even that they made a mistake or messed up so to speak. No, they sinned against God because they loved the world more than they loved God. They saw the world and they said, "If we keep back this portion, we can have a piece of this." And they came up empty. wonder what happened to their children. I mean, if they had any. I just wonder. It was pretty common for people to have children in those days too, you know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were a little older. Maybe they were already property owners. Their children had grown up and already had jobs and were out of the house supporting their own children. I don't know. But then what about grandchildren? What happened to Grandpa? What happened to Grandma? Why are they carrying them out the door, Daddy? How's come they're not walking out of church today? And you like to have to explain that one to your child or to your grandchildren. Well, son, they loved the world. and They came up empty. Let me tell you something. When you love that world, you'll come up empty too. You're not going to beat it. We keep thinking we're going to beat it. That we can straddle the fence. That we can walk both sides. One side on eternity and the other temporal. It doesn't work that way. If you love that world, it'll bite you. And you're going to come up empty. We pretend it's a big game. I go to church and I read my Bible and pray, but down deep I know I love that world. Nobody else knows, though. That's between me and myself. God knows. And let me tell you, probably if I would poll your family, they know too. Truly, the only one that's being fooled is you, because you've bought into the lie of Satan. And you somehow believe that God is withholding the best things from you. A man says, I don't get paid enough at work. I work my tail to I work my fingers to the bone. I bust my tail, I try to Do a good day's labor, but my boss doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't pay me what I'm worth. And so what's he do? He takes money from the cash register at night and says, I love the world. But God, the God of this world lies to him and tells him that he deserves that money. He says, but God, I'm busting my hump trying to provide for my family. I'm working this job. I'm obeying you and I have nothing to show for it. You won't let me eat of that tree. You'll let me have all this others, but not that one that I really want. And finally, he says, I love the world. And he takes hold of it. Carries it out in his pocket. And before it's over with, he loses his job. He loses his wife. He loses his family. And he comes up empty. All because he loved that right there. But it looked so good. And I could have swore I could have got away with it. It was just a mistake. No, you loved the world. The world always will leave you empty. See, if the truth be known, it's always the same. There's nothing in it. It will always leave you empty. It looks good. And it appears to be that which would provide everything that your dreams can even imagine. But it can't deliver. It again may spark the imagination. may move our emotions. But it can't deliver. It's empty. There's nothing there. The world is represented not by a box in your life, young men, but by a girl. Young ladies, it's not a box that you'll look at and long for, a young man. And if you're not careful, you'll look at it and say, God, that's what I want. I want that. And he'll say, but that isn't what I want for you. It's hands off. That one's not consecrated unto me. That one's not separated unto me. That one's not yielded unto me. Hands off that one. And the devil will say, God just doesn't want you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to have the best things. He wants to withhold the prettiest and the most handsome. If you're not careful, you'll be tempted to go up and take hold of that. And say, I know what God said, but... Then again, he knows that if I get a hold of that, my needs will really be met. Then, who needs God? I'll take the world, thank you. And that's the choice we make. Oh no, I just decided to kind of get on, get along with that boy or that. No, you didn't. You loved the world. You made a choice of the world over God. The Bible says, "Love not the world." Why? Because God's trying to somehow withhold His best? Because He wants to somehow punish you? No, He wants to protect you. And God places a parent over you. And he said, that parent says, I don't want you to have this, or I don't want you to go there, and I don't think that friends what's in the, your best interest. I don't want you to be friends with them any longer. You can say hi to them, you can be cordial to them, but I don't want you over at their house. I don't want you on the phone with them. I don't want you texting them. I don't want you on Facebook with them. I want you to separate yourself from them because they're a, a, a bad influence in your life. You're heading a wrong direction because you're allowing them to influence you negatively. I don't want them in your life. And you say, who in the world do you think you are telling me what I'm going to do, who I'm going to do it with? I have a right to do as I please. I'm a teenager. I'm a person. I have rights. And listen, before we all jump on that bandwagon and say, yeah, right. Look at what we allow our teens to do all the time. Don't tell me they don't tell us what to do half the time. They turn around and say, I want that right there. I want that world. God's trying to punish me again. Here we go. I'm not allowed to have any freedom. I'm not allowed to have any rights. I'm being told I have to act and do as they tell me all the time. That's no fun. Listen, when you disobey them, don't think you just went ahead and disobeyed some irate, unrealistic nut job called a parent. Because guess what you'll think they are. They don't have any clue. They're totally out of touch with me. No, they're trying to protect you from that right there. Because in the end, all that junk will leave you empty. Can you imagine living your whole life for the world, only to come up empty in the end? I mean, to spend your whole life working, striving, dreaming, sacrificing, to end up empty-handed in the end? Do you really believe that this is all there is? I mean, this is what it's all about. It's about going to work every day. Providing for my family, building up my 401k or retirement, having a decent car to drive, living in a decent house, being able to pay my bills. You honestly believe that's what life is about? That's the devil. The devil wants you to focus all your attention today on now, right here. And we say, but those things are important, preacher. They're important only in how they, re- how they, affect eternity. In and of themselves, they mean nothing. They're the world. Do you realize that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad? See, we're given a picture of that judgment in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, turn there in verse 11. This isn't where it ends. The Lord says, love not the world. Why? Why not, God? Why can't I love the world? Because the world is temporal. It's now. It'll leave you empty in eternity. That's why. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11... The Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. It's a picture of this judgment that's coming. Everything we do, every ounce of energy that we put forth, every minute that we spend, every moment that we think, everything is being recorded, everything is being added up, everything's going to pass through the fire. Love not the world. First John, he says, Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In second John 1 8, he says, Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. What are we to do then? What are we to do? We are to invest our lives in eternal things. That's what we're to do. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We understand that we have to be able to transport ourselves back and forth to work. And often that means either some kind of bus pass or car or catching a a ride with a friend. We understand that there are necessities, there are some needs in our life that provide opportunity to be a blessing to God and others. But love not the world. Love not the world. If you want to exit the judgment seat with gold, silver, and precious stones, you need to spend your life investing in souls. See, to win a soul and reproduce yourself and another human being is to invest in eternity. Paul called, Paul called souls his reward. In the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 he says therefore my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown so stand fast in the lord my dearly beloved in 1 Thessalonians 2:19 he goes on to say for what is our hope our joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our lord jesus christ that is coming he says i have spent my life preaching and teaching the word of god I've poured myself into people. I've preached the gospel and I've given myself to train them in the work of Christ. I am anxious to reach that throne because one day you'll stand there, my crown. And Today, the Community Baptist Temple, there's opportunities abounding to invest in eternity. There are souls dying and going to hell all around us. There are cities and communities and villages that are dying and going to hell. And we're worried so often about whether or not we drive a nice car. We have enough in our house to fill up every room. While men and women die and go to hell. And when it's all said and done, too often, more than not, if we're perfectly honest with ourselves... We love this because it's something that we can hold on to, something we can physically embrace, something that we can look to and somehow prove to ourselves that we are valuable, significant, that we are somebody. But in the end, when you stand before God, it will leave you empty. It will leave me empty. Team soul winning. Ten club. Discipleship. We got time for that, don't we? that at the judgment seat will leave us empty and wanting. I say it all the time. Green goes with every suit I got. I have no problem with it. But if I love this world More than I love the Lord and eternity. If I focus my attention on the temporal, not eternal, I'm going to come up empty. And guess what? There's a lot longer eternally than there is temporally. It may seem like there's a long ways to go yet. I've used this before, and let me just share it with you now. But your life in light of eternity is about as thin as this piece of paper, you take eternity being from that wall to this wall, I want you to see for just a moment how valuable or how how extensive your life is. Can you imagine how little time this represents in light of the distance between that wall and that wall? And may I say that that this cannot compare to it even. Because this has limits and boundaries, but eternity does not. And yet we will... We will sacrifice all this for this time here. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. See, God's not withholding the world to punish us, but to protect us. He doesn't want us to spend a lifetime only to come up empty. The world promises it can deliver, but never forget the devil's a liar. Love not the world. Love not the world. Father, we come to you.